HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. On the phone today, we have... I'm, I'm actually extremely thrilled about this. Um, one of my favorite bourbons that I can even think of uh, since I've been drinking bourbon, which is probably longer than I should have legally or responsibly. <laughs> but one of my favorite bourbons is Wild Turkey. And one of my favorite rides is Wild Turkey as well. Um, and one my very... I would probably say my go-to favorite... Wild Turkey is a rare breed. Uh, it's the, the single barrel cash strength. And I could go on and on talking about Wild Turkey, but I would rather let you hear it from the guys. So on the phone today, we have Jimmy Russell and also son Eddie Russell from Wild Turkey. Welcome to the show, guys. Well, thank you for having us. This is Jimmy. Thanks, Damon. This is Eddie Russell. Good to hear from you guys. How's everything going down there in Kentucky? Going good right now. We've had a lot of snow the last couple of weeks, but it's beginning to warm up, and the weather's pretty good today. Sun's shining, but we've had a lot of snow and this winter and a lot of rain, which is unusual for us. Yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of experiencing the exact same kind of pattern here. We've got a lot of sunshine today, but the snow's melting off, and we're, we're able to walk around and not fall down <laughs> from slipping on the ice, so it's pretty good. So, so what? Okay, so let's talk about the actual aging process of of, of what that means for you. Because you guys, does Kentucky get a lot of snow during the winter? Or I mean, when we talk about like the the rick houses, you know, you it's a unique climate zone uh, that Kentucky has for for the aging, you know, and the contracting and expansion of the barrels. So, like when when you get hit with a lot of snow, what does that do for the the whiskey in the barrel? 
it doesn't have any effect on it. Uh, you know, we have very, it's unused for us to have the snow we had. We have very little snow here, but this winter we've had more snow than we have in the last hundred years. So uh, it doesn't, you know, it'll average out over a seven or eight year period. Uh, it's been a little colder this winter than normal, but then uh, over the years it'll average out. Yeah. Jimmy, you've been, well, speaking of over the years, you've been with Wild Turkey for, what, 60 years now, something like that? Uh, just past, last September is my 60th year with Wild Turkey. Wow, that's amazing. I, I commend you, sir. That's uh, that's a long run, and that's it a lot, shows a lot I've, of dedication. I've enjoyed every minute of it. What what? Uh, how old were you when you started? I've been 20, and I started in September, and I've been 20 in November. Wow. Years old right now. That's a that's a that's a long run, my friend. And, yes, sir. And uh, how long has Eddie been working with uh, Wild Turkey? I started June the 5th of 1981, so I'm in my 34th year, just getting started. That's crazy. I was born June 8th, 1981, so you've been working for them a few days longer than I've been alive. That's right. <laughs> That's a heck of a run, too. Uh, what was your, uh, Eddie, what was your, your job that when, when you started with the company? What did you start doing? I was the bottom man in the union. I dumped bottles, <laughs> stacked cases, mowed grass, rolled barrels, painted buildings. So whatever anybody else didn't want to do, if you're the bottom man in the union, you get the worst job. Yeah, I hear that. But you worked your way through. Hey, you know what? Actually, so working, growing up with the company um, and with your dad being uh, there for 60 years, which is incredible, uh, what was, and I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but what was your uh, your first experience with bourbon? Oh, I'd say I didn't drink till I was 21. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, probably Jimmy always tells everybody my first taste of bourbon was at six months. I was probably teething, and he rubbed a little on my gums to get me to quieten down. And then as a younger kid, if you coughed a little bit as your granny's, She'd go make you a hot toddy, which was bourbon and and lemon and lime and honey and sugar, and that would that would she'd give you a couple spoonsful and cover you up to break your fever. But you know, as a later on in the teenage years, I really never liked beer or other alcohol, so bourbon was always my first choice. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I, I feel like that's a you know a lot of us had to go through a lot of uh, different different types of drinks to get to uh, appreciate bourbon the way we do now i can't i can't tell you how many bad drinks i had and how many i won't have again now that i know but uh you know you're going back going back to what you're saying about the uh whenever you'd have a cold or have a cough you'd have a a hot toddy and uh you guys actually back in uh well it was actually bicentennial year wasn't it? it's like 76 right you uh came out with the uh the Wild Turkey Honey, which was actually the uh, it was the first flavored bourbon, right? Yes, that was. We come out with the Maryland. Actually, it was called Wild Turkey Honey Liqueur at that time. And then a few years later, it was changed. Same thing, it was changed to American Honey Liqueur. But we've been on the market with it since the late 70s. Everybody else is just now coming out with the honey bourbons. They're coming out with a lot of flavored whiskeys these days, huh? Yes, they are. It's a lot of flavored whiskeys coming out on the market now. I remember I was uh I work I used to work at a little little whiskey shop in in Red Hook, Brooklyn, called Linnell's. You know Linnell Smothers? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Linnell. Well, 
Yeah, yeah. So I was working there, and I remember on the shelf having the the wild honey turkey cure, and I remember when it changed over to uh, wild turkey honey. I remember I remember when that hit the market when it changed over because it used to be in a bottle like a a bottle that kind of actually looked a little bit like the uh, the rare breed bottle, right? It was like kind of like a squattier one with a neck. Kind it was a, a hexagon-shaped bottle with turkeys all the way around the yeah. side and a big, long neck on it. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I think I, I might still have a bottle of that somewhere in my collection. Yes. I hope I do. Um, yeah, but so so what do you think? What's your what's your take on the uh, the flavored, flavored whiskey uh, kind of demographic, if you will? Well, I guess maybe we was a little ahead of our times, but many, many in the 80s probably – we tried a few different ones. We had one called Buckshot, was a cherry flavored bourbon. Uh, we we tried several of them, but the only one that's ever done well for us is American Honey. Well, I think I think there's a reason why, you know, like to me, they're they're. I think with uh, with like flavored vodkas and and like a lot of the different just like flavored different types of spirits that already are flavored, you know, just naturally, been like a whiskey or a or like a, a rum, you know, they get their flavor from like the natural way that you make it. It's kind of, to me, it's, it's, well, it's cutting out, you know, a couple of steps and making your drink. And I think the, when you have something like a wild turkey honey liqueur or even the, the modern like wild turkey honey, it makes more sense. Cause you know, going back to what you're saying about the, the hot toddy, it's like to, to make a hot toddy with wild, hun- uh, wild, wild turkey honey, it just makes sense, and it it actually kind of saves you a step there too. You're already, yes, it does. Yeah, and and also it's very very consistent too, right? That's what we try to be consistent with our wild turkey bourbon and our wild turkey honey liqueur. Be consistent day in, day out, year in, and year out. So how long uh, how long has wild turkey been around? Actually, the brand name of wild turkey started in the late 1930s to early 40s when the Wild Turkey brand name became Wild Turkey brand name. Mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, what's a little? Give me a little background on the history of that distillery. Well, the distillery here, where we are in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, was built in about eighteen and sixty nine, and uh, been in operation ever since. Uh, it was uh, known as one time as Anderson County Distilling Company. It was known as the JTS Brown Distilling Company at one time. One time it was the Rippy Brothers Distilling Company, but since 1971, everything with wild turkey has been done here in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. I, you know, one of my favorite. I, I, I'm kind of a sucker for. Some people might not like these labels, but you know, things like the the old Fitzgerald, the old old Fitzgerald label, and the JTS Brown, and like those. I love. I used to be a graphic designer before I got into this. This. The whole world <laughs> got swallowed up in it, but I love I love that classic look of like that JTS Brown and like, it, like there's something iconic about uh, these the, these old whiskey labels, you know. Like I, I I've got probably more than I should probably admit to uh, a bunch of old whiskey bottles that uh, I just collect because I love the I love the imagery. Oh, and on that note, there's actually like I collect, well I'm sure you guys do too. Um, I collect a lot of like kind of antique uh, glassware and and like bar tools and stuff like that. 
and I've got a some at some point like I was I had one of those decanter bottles, you know the ceramic ones that they were doing a lot in like the sixties and seventies with like the different shape bottles. I've got some old wild turkey ones and it got me on a it got me on a collecting kick of collecting these like the ceramic well, I think they're glass maybe painted, but I think some of them are ceramic too. But those uh, different decanter bottles are like collectibles. I'm sure you probably have some of those lying around, right? Oh, yes. Uh, all of ours were ceramics. We started in 1971 with the first one, and we had eight in that series, one a year for eight years. And then we come out after that with uh, four in a series called the Laurel Series. It had a book on it, a stump on it. And then after that, we come out with the wildlife series, the wild turkey and the coyote, the wild turkey and the fox, the wild turkey and the skunk, the wild turkey. Several different ones then. We haven't done it since 1988. Now, all of ours were ceramics. It's probably pretty expensive to produce those nowadays, huh? Oh, very expensive nowadays. And, you know, everybody got into that business at one time. There, there were all different kinds of ceramics were out there. And nowadays, people's a little talking about them now again. But, you know, they're so expensive now, I don't see any reason to come back with them. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of brand loyalty and a lot of uh, a lot of whiskey collectors out there that might be into it, but I don't think it, 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 yeah it, it might be a little too expensive to produce. I know that there's actually a shop out in one of my one of my bartenders was out in L.A. a few weeks back and he found a big shop that just had a huge collection of them, but they were even empty. They were still charging what you might pay for, say like a bottle of uh, Wild Turkey American Spirit. Which, by the way, going to talking about the uh, uh, the packaging thing, the Wild Turkey American Spirit. That's a that's a really nice collector piece too. You guys, yes, that was the American Spirit was a one time deal. Uh, we put out every every few years we put out a limited edition, and that was one of our limited editions. What's what what goes into deciding what the limited edition uh, bottlings are going to be? Well, it's really based on finding some special barrels. Uh, like you find some and you take care of them, you move them around the warehouse to get the flavors you want. So it's just something a little special for the the bourbon connoisseurs out there that want to see some of your high-end stuff. So we did the American Spirit, which is a 15-year-old. We did Tradition, which was a 14-year-old. Uh, I'm going to release a new new one this year it's just going to be a 17 year old which will be the oldest whiskey we put out here at wild turkey in america so it's just barrels that that you were fooling with taking date off of or it's some that that you found that just taste extremely well so you sit back a few hundred you know and you, you usually keep it around 30 or forty thousand bottles not a huge amount that's that's yeah, it's not a huge amount. I mean, I got that many bottles in my house right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, but I think it's really neat the way that that's you know well you know when you're when you're moving these barrels around the warehouse, do, I mean you you develop a relationship with them, right? Yeah, it's just like this 17 year old. I've been fooling with these since they were uh, made because we actually had run out of space here and stored them in a brick warehouse down on the river in Kentucky and. So I was really keeping a close eye on them because Jimmy normally doesn't like the brick warehouses. They don't age quite as well as our, just our old metal clad warehouses with a lot of windows. 
So I was really keeping an eye on them, and I moved them back here to the metal clad, and it was just stuff I was trying to keep enough data on them to, to see the difference between the brick warehouses, being down in the holler like that or up on top of the hill like we are. It turned out the liquid really turned out fantastic. So I held on to them, moved them around the warehouse, got the flavors I wanted, and next thing I know they're 17 years old. So I'm going to release them out this fall probably. Great. Do you have a name for it or can you say um, still sort of working on that a little <laughs> bit. Uh, it, I was first looking at Journey because it's been through such a journey going around, but it, it may be called Master's Keep now. So uh, closer it gets, there'll be more coming out on it, but it'll, it may be one of those two's names. So Master's Keep uh, or Journey. Cool. I don't want you to divulge too much information before you release it, but uh, but but I still want to know about it. Um, all right, Jimmy, Eddie, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll continue talking with the guys from Wild Turkey. The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And on the phone today, unfortunately, you guys aren't in the studio, but that's okay. Next time you're here in New York City, we'll get you in the studio and we'll we'll actually share a drink together. But uh, on the phone, we have Jimmy and Eddie Russell. Now, we talked about some, some different things about flavored whiskeys. We talked about uh, Eddie's promotion. He's, and congratulations again to uh, to Master Distiller. And Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's really that's that's a that's a big that's a big job to fill. That's a big barrel to fill, man. <laughs> um, so, I mean, along with that, I mean, like we've seen, like over the last, I don't know, I'd say uh, seven, eight years, I guess, is when it really started hitting. But there's been a huge, huge growth uh, in the the American whiskey category. And how's that affected you guys? And and uh, and what do you think about that, guys? Well, that's one of the things, you know, that in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, the bourbon was strong. Then the white goods come along, and a lot of people's younger generation, your age, started switching over to white goods. And now everybody's going back to bourbon, and especially the export market. The export market's huge now for bourbon. But all over the United States, all over the world, bourbon is really growing strong right now. Yeah, it's it's uh you know it, it's both bourbon and rye. I mean, like the the rye. I mean, I, I I know that like you guys were making the 101 rye for a while, and then you, then you stopped 
making the 101 right, then you brought it back. Was that like just due to like uh, say like supply and demand issues or or? Yeah, it's uh, you know for the last thirty years nobody at all hardly drank rye. We just made a little bit, and then it's been the fastest growing product for the last four or five years at twenty five thirty percent. And the problem in our business is. We make it today and put it in the barrel, and we don't release it for 5, 6, to 10, 12 years. So it took us a little while to catch back up. Uh, now I'm making about eight times as much rise I was making four or five years ago. So hopefully it keeps on going. If not, Jimmy's probably going to kill me. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's there to stay. I think you're, I think you're safe. I think, actually, you might want to up it to nine or ten times the amount. <laughs> But, well, I'm growing each year, so we're keeping a very close eye on it. Yeah, it's uh, amazing what the, the bartending mixology community's done for the rye because I believe you could contribute all that growth to them making the mixed drinks and the younger generation drinking them with the rye whiskeys. I think, well, I think a big part of that, too, is that, that guys like you and Jimmy started getting out there in the world more. You know, like when... When the concept of the brand ambassador came along, there was a lot more uh, connection to the distilleries. Well, and really, what that equals out to is uh, it's education on the brands and the process. And then they wouldn't you agree? Like people build a relationship with that. Yes, very much so. You know, uh, I guess I was one of the first ones to go out twenty five years ago. Before that, it was all marketing salespeople out in the field, and they started me out in the field working with our distributors and people and general public and all, and it's become a big part of our business now. And people's well-educated now. They understand what bourbon is and know all about it. They know all everything about it. When I first started out, it, you know, it was all whiskey. It didn't make any difference, basically, the comments you got. But nowadays, everybody's looking for that good flavor, good body and all, and that's what we try to keep with wild turkey and it's just continued to keep growing and growing and growing. Another one of the big things that's happened in the last several years is the ladies, the women, have become big in the bourbon business. Uh, you have the Women's Bourbon Society now, the, the women of the whiskey of the world and everything, so the ladies have become big in the business now, too. Yeah, there's other organizations like Lupec, and, you know, uh, also there's uh, Speed Rack, you know, which is a very popular all all ladies uh cocktail competition and you know uh, honestly like it, it, to me that it's like the most exciting time you know uh for both the spirit side and for the bar side um and i remember like about eight nine years ago i was behind the bar and there was one day all of a sudden two really attractive ladies came into the bar and both ordered whiskeys and I, I, it was the first time that I think anyone, and like, I think any lady had ever ordered whiskey from me. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was blown away. And I was like, yes, this is great. But yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're definitely right on all those points. I think, uh, you know, it's funny to even go back to what you're saying about how, like, the wild turkey honey liqueur, you know, when it was for the ladies back in the day, but now it's, uh, you cut the honey out, you know. I think yeah. it, I think it was the gateway whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I think 
that's been the most uh, exciting and different thing in our industry was like you said earlier. It used to be we really didn't get people until they were 45 or 50 years old until they sort of run through all those other products and drinks and stuff where now we're seeing so much of that 25 to 40 year old male and female and to me you know the the bartending mixology going back to those classic drinks the manhattans the old fashions and things like that really changed everything for us which is really exciting for me with just 30 years in the business you know uh seeing what's happening because you know, if you get them at that age, then they're always going to drink your product. And there's, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of brand loyalty, also spirit spirit category loyalty. You know, it's a lot, same thing with like rums. You know, and people who are in like tiki drinks and stuff like that too. You know, there's a lot of like loyalty. I think, I think another thing is that, you know, they always say uh, work smarter, not harder. I think people are drinking smarter and, and not as hard. I mean, especially when, like when the recession hit. People were like, "All right, we're we're not gonna go so crazy spending our money on a you know quantity. It's more about quality." And I think what with that, with cocktails and with spirits, and you know, and with food and everything, it's like there's certain kind of idea uh, idealism of like preservation for these like classic styles, you know, with the classic cocktails and the classic spirits. You know, it it goes back to you know, even like. The like I said before, you know, like I mean, I don't know. I probably eat barbecue more times a week than I should, <laughs> but <laughs> but like, but I like it because it reminds me of home, and uh, and it re- and also it's delicious too. But you know, like that's the same thing with. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like to drink American whiskeys. Besides, besides the fact that I'm a huge patriot, but uh, yeah, I think there's I think there's definite like like you're saying like if you get. If you get someone in there early enough to understand what this is and get them get them kind of committed to uh, to the preservation of it, but then again, it's it's all about the education because you know I remember my first I remember my first shot of whiskey. Well, two things were wrong about it. I shot it first of all, <laughs> and it wasn't good whiskey, and I I, I didn't drink I didn't drink uh, any whiskey actually for probably about five years after that because I didn't really like the way that it was presented to me, you know? I think nowadays we've got that education, and I wish I could go back in time and, first of all, pick a different whiskey. And (laughs) I'm not going to tell you which one it was. Well, I'll tell you after the show, (laughs) but I can't say it on air. Um, But I would would have a better whiskey, and I I would take time and hang out with it. Whiskey takes a long time to make. You should take your time drinking it, right? That's right, and I think, you know, the the high ends, the small batches, you know, like the Russells, the rare breed, uh, showed the kind of flavor and taste that you could really have instead of the, you know, younger four-year-olds that hadn't matured right and didn't have enough age on them. So I think that's a, been a big plus uh, releasing those type things. Bourbon's made to sit out and enjoy. It's not made to shoot. Something to sit out and enjoy the flavor, the taste of it, and all. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Do you? Okay, so we talked about some of your uh, your kind of custom higher end lines and and about uh, some of the different things that you're you're 
you have coming up, but um, if someone wants to sit down and relax and have a glass of wild turkey, can they do that at your distillery? Oh, wait, you guys just got a new visitor center, too. You guys have been working on that, right? Yes, we have. We have a fact is we have a new distillery, new visitor center, and new bottling facilities. Our old facilities was built in the 1800s, and we run out of space uh, where we sat on Kentucky River and the highway. So we had all this property up on top of the hill on the same piece of property, just moved it up the hill about a half a mile. So we have a beautiful new visitor center where you can stand in the room on the second floor, do a tasting, and you're looking out over the Kentucky River and the two bridges, the railroad bridge, the automobile bridge, beautiful scenery there as you can stand and look and see all around what's going on here at the Wild Turkey Distillery. That sounds awesome. Well, I'm going to be down there soon, so I'll have to hit you guys up when I'm uh, around, if, if you'll have me and show me around. We'll be glad. Just let us know when you're coming. We'll be glad to show you around, show you everything that we do. That's great. Can't wait. Guys, Jimmy, Eddie, thank you so much for being on the show today, and I've, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Again, congratulations to you, Eddie, for the promotion to Master Distiller. Uh, I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited to see all the new things that are happening with Wild Turkey, one of my favorite whiskeys. Well, thank you, and my promise to everybody is I won't change anything about what Jimmy's built in the last 60 years, so you'll always have wild turkey taste the same way. That's thank you very much for having us. That's great. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, and I'll see you soon. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check in to Heritage Radio Network for many, many more like this. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 